Hey, I'm preaching a series on heaven. Today is the second sermon in this series, and I want to talk about that place called heaven. And the text that we're going to read is Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation 4, we're going to see what the Lord wants us to know about heaven from this amazing revelation received by the Apostle John. This great leader of the early church had been sent off into exile by the Roman emperor to a little island called the Isle of Patmos. God gave John the revelation that we have contained in this book. The revelation was addressed to believers in a world that was very dangerous. Just as John suffered and could have been executed at any time, so could be the case for those who first received this revelation. It was a word of encouragement to sustain them in their sufferings. And what I'd like to do today is just work our way through Revelation chapter 4, looking at each verse, and as I go through it, I want to point out some of the features of heaven. This is what's going on in heaven today, beginning in verse 1. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So John received this special invitation to this very special place. An angel said to him, Come up here, and I'm going to show you what will take place in the future. And the first feature that we learn about heaven is a very simple feature, and it's this. Heaven is real. right? Heaven is a real place. It's not an invisible realm that exists only in our imagination. It is not a figurative place. It is a literal place. The night before Jesus was crucified, He spoke some comforting words to His disciples. Words that we often use today to comfort people who have lost a family member or a friend or someone dear to them. The words that he spoke are recorded in John chapter 14. He said this in verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. Or the literal translation is many rooms. If it were so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me to be with me so that you can be where I am. And so Jesus talks about heaven as a real place. And Jesus wants us to be with Him in that real place for all eternity. Right? That's God's plan for your life. That's God's will for you. That you receive Him as your personal Savior and that you spend eternity with Him in heaven. Now, now, knowing that and saying that just, just, just begs me to, to say this to you guys. Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to come back and receive you and take you to this prepared place. So if He has said that to us, why, why wouldn't we go to someone that is dear to us, maybe a family member or a friend, who we know is not a Christian, who is not saved, who's not going to heaven? Why don't we go to them and say to them, you know what, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I know that when I die, I am going to go to heaven and spend all eternity in heaven with God, and I can't even bear the thought 
of you not being there with me. Okay? If all of this is really true and, and we're excited about heaven and we're going to heaven, why don't we have that compassion and that desire that others go with us? I mean, if we really love people, we're going to tell them that, aren't we? And then that's going to open up a door for us to share the good news with them. Well, the Bible says that heaven is where Christ came from when He came to this earth the first time. We call that the Incarnation. He was born of Mary the Virgin. Remember that? We, we saw it on the video there. He, he, he was born in a little stable. That's the Incarnation. That's the first time He came. And then the Bible says He died on Calvary's cross for our sins. And, and after that, He was resurrected. Okay, That's Easter Sunday. We'll talk about that next week. After the resurrection, He ascended back into heaven. And then the Bible tells us that, that you know what? He is going to come back for us. The disciples were standing there as Jesus ascended into heaven after the resurrection. And this is what Acts chapter 1 says. Some angels said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen Him go into heaven. So here, here's the scenario. Jesus came from heaven, the incarnation. He went back to heaven during the ascension. And one day in the near future, He is going to come back from heaven to receive His church, together His bride, and to take all believers to heaven with Him. So in Revelation chapter 4, John was taken up into heaven and he got a glimpse of all this, all the things that are going on in heaven and all must that transpire before Jesus comes again. Now, th there have been a lot of books recently written about people who have died and had this experience where they say they went to heaven and then came back to life and, and wrote a book about it. That's nothing new. Pe people have been saying that and writing books about that for years. And, and sometimes we read those books and we, we kind of scratch our head and, and we wonder if really what they're saying is true. Here's what I want you to know, church. What we have before us today in the Bible recorded in this Word is the trustworthy, reliable, inerrant Word of God. And we can believe what this says without question. No other book ever written about heaven can claim that. Okay? And therefore, this book is our only reliable guide to the features of heaven. And it tells us, first of all, that heaven is a real place. All right? It's a real place. Uh, some of the other features of heaven uh, we find out in verse number two. And, and the next one is there's a throne in heaven. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven, and someone was sitting on it. So here is, is another thing about heaven. Heaven is royal. Not only is it real, it's royal. It's a royal place. Why is it royal? Because that's where the King of glory dwells. Again, verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven, and someone was sitting on it. Now, John doesn't tell us immediately who was sitting on the throne, but we find out later in the chapter that it's none other than our Heavenly Father. And church, that's important to know. Okay? You need to know that today, that God is never away 
from the control center of the universe. This world revolves around the throne of God. God is sitting on that throne today. He is ruling and reigning all the affairs of this universe and the affairs of your life. You can count on that. Now, you may think that things are swirling out of control in your life. Have you thought that this week? Huh? All right. Things are happening to you and you wonder if there is any meaning or purpose to those things and, and, and your life is just kind of spinning out of control. You need to know today that there is a throne. The control center of the universe, including your life. And God is seated on that throne. Then John kind of zooms out and he sees more of what's going on there. Verse 3. And the one who sat on the throne had the appearance of a jasper or sardine stone. The NIV says carnelian stone. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. And so here's the third feature about heaven. It is radiant. Right? It's a real place. It's a royal place. And it is a radiant place. Verses 5 and 6 go on to say, From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Now I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this except to say that the brilliance and the radiance of heaven merely reflects the glory of God. John cannot immediately see who was sitting on the throne. It was like he was looking right into the sun. It was so bright and so brilliant. He, he, he can't see because of this blinding light. And again, what he is trying to describe and what we're talking about here is the brilliant radiance of the glory of God. That's the first thing you notice when you get to heaven. It's bright. It's brilliant. It's radiating the glory of God. Now, now listen, church, that is important. It's important to understand that, that heaven is not a place of mist and fog and darkness. We got plenty of that in this old world that we live in. There is so much darkness and so much gloom and so much fog and gray in our world and in our lives. Won't it be great to be able to go to a place for all of eternity that is spectacularly radiant with the glory of God? Uh, this past week, I, I was able to take uh, my family on a, a spring break vacation. Uh, I, did you know that my middle daughter is a senior in high school this year? She, when we moved here, she was a little bitty baby, three months old. And now she's a senior in, in high school, going to graduate. She's got these big plans to go to, uh, to Texas to go to college at, at Baylor University. And, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, she wants to be a Baylor bear for some reason. I don't know. But I, I think the realization kind of hit us that, you know, chances are uh, her spring breaks for the next four years are not going to coincide with Arkansas spring breaks and and of course my daughter Whitney is, is married to Tyler and and she's got a real job now praise the Lord for that and, and uh, Tyler's got a real job praise the Lord for that and 
and uh, they're they're living their lives. And so we, you know, we decided that uh, you know this would be a great year to to just go on one last family vacation at spring break. And so we saved our money and we went to our favorite place in the mountains, which is right outside of Pagosa Springs to Wolf Creek to go snow skiing. All right, and uh, man, I just I, I tell you what, I love the mountains. I love Colorado. It is a it is a beautiful place. I don't like what's happening in Colorado right now. All right, it's turning very liberal, and that's for a different message that one day I'll preach. But I love the I'm kind of like oh John Denver man. Woo! I love the mountains and uh, love being there. And so we we went and stayed at Pagosa Springs, and and for three days we'd get up and and drive up that mountain. And it, it's a pretty good ways to drive up the mountain. Uh, to go skiing at Wolf Creek, and and uh, man, we were just we were enjoying it. And uh, one day we we woke up, and and where we were staying there outside of Pagosa Springs, it, it was overcast, and it was kind of cloudy. The wind was blowing, and it was cold. And I'm scratching my head, thinking, you know, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable up on that mountain. Okay, it's going to be really cold and, and foggy. And, and but you know what? We get up there, eleven thousand uh, feet above sea level, and and it was crystal clear. We were above those clouds, and we skied all day, and we, we was getting close to when they were going to close the lifts, and, and we decided, okay, let's just make as many runs as we can, and we'll meet down at the bottom when they close this thing down at 4 o'clock. So we just all skiing, and, and there, was, there was one moment when I was on the ski lift all by myself. No family members with me, nobody else with me, just me and God on that ski lift. And I was going up that mountain. And I looked up at the sky. It, I thought I was in Texas, really. It was just so beautiful. <clears throat> that just came to me right then. I just had that word. And but it, it was the, it was the most beautiful blue. I had on sunglasses and ski goggles, Steve, but it was still so bright and so beautiful. And, 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 and I, I just had this moment there with God, talking to God, and I thought, you know, just a few hours ago, down at the bottom of the mountain, it was foggy and dismal, and you know, you're just kind of, Boo. but now you're up here on this ski lift almost to heaven, and it's so beautiful. That, that can't even begin to compare with the brilliance and the beauty that we're going to see when we get to heaven. It is a radiant place. Because that's where God is. Now, I know I've already read verses four and six, but I've got or five and six, but I've got to go back to verse four, okay? So back up. We don't want to skip that verse. It says, Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Now, now these characters, these twenty-four elders are very important. We will see them again and again throughout the book of Revelation. But you might wonder, who are they? Well, most scholars believe that these 24 elders represent the Old Testament and New Testament people of God. The Old Testament people of God were the 12 tribes of Israel. And the New Testament people of God are built on the foundation of the apostles of Jesus Christ. 12 men. So you have 12 Old Testament, 12 New Testament, 12 plus 12 equals 24. And that points to the next feature of heaven, which is my fourth and final feature. Heaven is not only a real place and a royal place and a radiant place. Heaven is a residence. 
Remember Jesus said in John 14 too, in my Father's house? So Jesus calls heaven my Father's house. And the word means it's a dwelling place. Not only is it the residence of God Almighty, but it has a whole lot of rooms in it. There are a lot of rooms in this dwelling place for His children, you and I. The great preacher D.L. Moody once said that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Now you got to get that. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Not everybody's going to heaven. Okay, did you, do you hear that? Not, not everyone goes to heaven when they die. There are a lot of people who would like to think that. And the argument that they use is, well, you know what? God is a, God is a, if He's a loving God, then He's going to be nice to everybody. Everybody's just going to get a free pass to go to heaven. But that's not the way it works. Okay? In fact, in Revelation 21, 27, it says, Nothing impure will ever enter into heaven, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, last week we introduced this special book, the Lamb's book of life. Let me, let me just say another word about that to, to describe what this book is. This is a special book that is recorded in heaven. And everyone who accepts Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, everyone who is born again, everyone who has confessed their sins to God and asked Jesus to come into their life, everyone who has ever been saved, their names are written down in this book. All right, It's the Lamb's book of life. And the Bible tells us, very specific on this, on the day of judgment, when you individually stand before God, that book is going to be open. And the only way you or anybody else is going to get into heaven is if your name has been written in that book. And again, Brother Bill, it's clear. The only way your name, Bill Little, can be in that book is if Bill Little accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And Bill, I know you've done that. You've been saved and baptized. Your name is in that book. So Bill's going to get in. Okay? And if your name is not in the book, oh brother, oh boy. I, I know my message is not about this this morning, but you know what? I, I've got to just stop and plead with you. The most important thing is that your name's in that book. The most important thing is that you're saved. That you've been born again. That Jesus is your Savior. And that you're living for God. You're living the life. Why? So that when your life on this earth ends, you can go to heaven. Now, I'm going to come back in a, in a moment and talk about these human residents of heaven. People living in heaven right now and, and who they are. But before I do that, I've just got to kind of pause and take notice of some angels who live in heaven. Because there are angels who reside in heaven. Did you know that? In fact, it talks about them here in verse 6. In the middle of the verse it says, In the center, round the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. 
Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop. Okay, get this. Day and night, they never stop. They never stop doing what? They never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Hmm. Now, without a doubt, these, these four creatures here are high order high-ranking ordered angels, all right? Now, now, angels in heaven are servants of Almighty God. And these four angels are continually praising God. But the Bible tells us that God, throughout the period of history, would dispense angels and send angels down. Or angels had specific jobs or duties they were to do for the Lord. For example, Jesus talked about the angels who are watching over our children. Can I just tell you that little kids are special to God? They're precious to Him. Therefore, they need to be precious to us as well. Matthew 18.10 See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my heavenly Father. The Bible also tells us that angels are involved in this special kind of rejoicing. Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus said, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So do you realize that today in this service, if someone gets saved, if you give your life to Jesus, there is going to be an explosion of praise. There's going to be some partying going on in heaven as these angels rejoice. The angels will also play a, a prominent role in the return of Jesus Christ from heaven when Jesus comes back and gathers His church from all over the world and takes them to heaven. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, all of them, every one of them, myriads of angels come with Him, sit on His throne in heavenly glory. So, there are angelic residents in heaven. Angels live there. And it's very clear in Revelation chapter 4 that these specific angels have a full-time job of just giving praise to God. Now, I want to go back to the human residents of heaven represented by these 24 elders. Again, verse number 4. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. So here's this one huge throne in the middle of heaven. That's where God sits. And around it are these 24 smaller thrones where the 24 elders sit. That indicates that they have some measure of authority. And the Bible says they are dressed in white. That represents their purity and their victory. But the important thing for us to notice is what they are doing. In fact, all of the human residents of heaven and all the angelic residents of heaven are joining together in a great chorus of praise. There is no way in this world that we can even fathom 
What exactly is happening up there? But I want you to stand up. Would you everybody stand up right now? Stand up. We're going to read about it. It starts in verse 9. You, you watch as I read. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him whose lives with their lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. The 24 elders lay their crowns before the throne. And what do they say? You read it with me. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And that right there is what's happening in heaven right now as I speak. All of the humans, all of the angels are praising God and saying, Lord, you're worthy. You are worthy to receive the very best that we have. You might be stretching. You, you know, I thought I was going to be fishing in heaven or, or riding my scooter down the streets of gold or having some kind of fun. Let me tell you, when we get there and we experience God in His radiant glory, we're, wanna, we're gonna wanna praise Him. We won't stop praising Him. Because that's what heaven is all about. You can be seated. Randy Alcorn wrote a book about heaven some time ago, and he tells the story in his book of, of Florence Chadwick, who in 1952 attempted to swim 26 miles from Catalina Island to the shore of California. The day that she picked was, was turned out to be cold and foggy, and, and so much so that she could just barely see the boats that were accompanying her and supporting her on her swim. After 15 hours of swimming, can you imagine 15 hours out in the water swimming? Florence Chadwick was exhausted and she begged them to get her out of the water. Her mama was in one of the boats and she leaned down and she tried to encourage her daughter. She said, Florence, you can do this. It's not far to the shore. You can do it just just keep swimming. And she gave it all she could, but she couldn't do it. And they finally pulled her out of the water a half a mile from the California coast. Later she said, all I could see was the fog. All I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore... I would have made it. Boy, that's significant. Our shore is Jesus. Our shore is heaven. And let me tell you, I don't care what your age is, it's not that far away. I mean, it's right out there. It's right in front of us. I also understand, though, that there are days that the fog swallows us up. The fog can be so consuming, whether it be the fog of confusion or the fog of sorrow or the, the fog of weakness. It, it just kind of overwhelms our life and we get sucked into this darkness. And we don't think we can make it. 
and we want to give up. This revelation was written to a group of Christians who were suffering. They were in the middle of the fog. And it was given to them to encourage them. Well, church, let me tell you, God gave me this message today for those of you in this room who are in the fog. And my word for you today is this. Don't give up. Don't quit running the race. Don't give up on that child or that grandchild. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your faith. I know that many of you are tired and weak and you just you want to throw in the towel and say it's not worth it. Understand, the shore is close. Heaven is near. And God is encouraging you today and saying to you, child, don't give up. Lord Jesus, there, there are some friends here today who are ready to give up. The devil in this old world has beaten them down so much. They don't think they can go on. But Lord, you tell us in your word that you'll give us strength. We can make it. And that heaven is just around the corner. Heaven is right in front of us. So Lord, help us today not to quit, not to give up. Help us to come to You. Lay our burdens and our problems at Your feet. And receive the strength that we need today so that we can leave this place and live victorious Christian lives. Lord, for that person who needs to come and be saved today so that the angels of heaven can rejoice, may they come. For those who are away from You, Lord, help them to come home today. And for the rest of us, Lord, may we imagine heaven and see You and come to You with our problems. Lord, You're in this place. I know You are. Would You make it easy for us to come and pray to You and bless those who do? In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to ask that You stand with Your heads bowed and Your eyes closed.